0: Welcome back to another episode of Sales Transformation brought to you by Ledium. In this episode, our host Colin Mitchell is joined by Amy Hurtofstik, a longtime seller turned sales enabler to discuss creative ways to prospect and capture the attention of buyers. So let's jump right in and learn from Amy's expertise in prospecting. Colin, back to you.
1: All right. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Transformation brought to you by Ledium. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and I've got my good friend, Amy Ravchek, on the show today. Longtime seller turned sales enabler, now focused on teaching reps how to capture and maintain the attention of buyers. She's also the host of the Revenue Real Hotline. And most importantly, she is a good friend. Amy, welcome back to the show. I was just joking. I think I pronounced your last name better every time we do another episode. How did I do this time?
0: I think it was flawless. Actually, I, I don't what? throw around a perfect like perfect score on that one, but you you did it. You nailed it.
1: I was practicing before. I'm not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I, the, the silent H would throw anybody. It seems so natural and organic.
1: Uh, so each time we have you on, we always have, you know, some interesting topics. Today, I think we're going to talk about one of your specialties, mm-hmm. creative ways to prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever you and I have had uh, chats about prospecting, your expectations of what good and success is far exceeds what most are willing to accept.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so let's dig into that a little bit, some of the creative mm-hmm. ways that you've prospected in the past and some creative ways that people should be thinking about prospecting moving forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one and one that's really top of mind for me right now is using the speaking circuit, um, for conferences. And I think you, (sighs) I mean, we can look at podcasting and guesting on podcast episodes as being like a progression of that. But right now we're seeing a really a a reemergence of live events and people are really excited to get to these live events. And they're just one of the things that's been my experience that most sellers do not see within the realm of possibilities is to actually speak at these conferences. Um, And so there's just a when I think back on when my time carrying a bag officially for a tech company, I, I mean, it is such a fantastic way both to um get the business problem that you address out there and how you do it and and the credibility that you bring to not only the buying experience, but the tactics. Um but also I I loved using the opportunity to bring my champions on stage with me and to help their brand um, as well. And so I will, I'm going to pause there, but there's just a million places to go. But yeah, conferences. Oh my gosh.
1: I mean, let's, so speaking at conferences might be a tall order for some people, but let's assume it's not. How do you Mm -hmm. go about even being able to Speak at conferences and how do you leverage that in your prospecting strategy?
0: Yeah, so it's such a great question, and it's a fair point um, that speaking at conferences is almost like the 301 level. Um, yeah. But if we were going to bring it back, right, to somebody that's maybe working up to that or looking at next year or whatever, maybe they're focused on posting on LinkedIn as a way to um, capture and maintain attention. I think the biggest place where most people, most people being most companies or most sales enablement teams drop the ball is that we don't do a good enough job helping the reps understand like a broader scope of the business problem that they address. And what I mean by that is like, what are the symptoms? What are the outcomes that the buyers are looking to have? Um, and then to take it a step further, what is the unique perspective that the company brings to the problem? And then the final step is how do you establish, as the individual rep, some disruptive insights about said business problem that are worth Taking to the stage or taking to the speaking circuit, whether this is guesting, whether on podcasts, whether this is submitting to speak at conferences, whether this is, heck, commenting on posts of influencers in the space. And so I, I think that's the biggest missing step is how do you take what you currently understand about the business problem that you address Um, Again, look at the unique perspective that the company brings to it and then build some disruptive insights around it worth talking about. And then once you have those things, uh, I think a little known fact is that for all these conferences, or many of them, especially the live in person, they have a, a speaking submission process, right? And normally they'll post it on the conference website. There's a date where you have to submit your speaking um, summary or dossier, whatever you want to call it. And then the next step is writing up a summary for what you want to talk about with the knowledge that you're going to be looked at as a vendor initially. And so you really have to be careful not to make it about your product and to make it about the business problem and the clients that you're going to showcase along the way.
1: Oof, there's a lot to unpack right there. So, I mean, <laughs> I think the first thing we're talking about is you need to have a deep knowledge of um, – you know the things that are worth talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. That business problems, challenges, business acumen around the you know things that your prospects care more most about, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you know have the ability to speak about. So if you know speaking at live events is kind of like the three uh, level, um, mm-hmm. you know maybe podcasting uh, is kind of like an entry level to like
0: entry. building yeah.
1: relationships with mm-hmm. podcasts that talk about the topics that your prospects talk about, mm-hmm. um, creating you know some potential top tracks based on the relationship and knowledge that you have with your prospects and making those mm-hmm. introductions. I think mm-hmm. that's like a healthy place to start and practice before kind of swinging for the big leagues with conferences, even though you may not necessarily agree with that approach, just knowing you. But I think with other people's comfort level, uh, what do you think?
0: I, I think it's... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of learning how to get comfortable with discomfort and ripping off the Band-Aid. Um, but to your point, I think you're right. It's it's certainly something to aspire towards, especially for those that are maybe newer to the AE role. But Colin, I want to expand on something that you just shared, because I think that it's a critical part that made how I approached prospecting creatively so divergent, let's say, than the the echo chamber. Particularly in tech sales. And that is that I had, I recognized intuitively very, very, very early on that I had far more buyers that were in learn mode than they were in buy mode. And so I was very focused on understanding what people were currently trying to learn about and where they were doing that learning um, and who they were learning from. And so again, if I'm newer to this, like, okay, let me d- learn or let me let me understand a little bit differently uh, about my buyers and the problem. Um, I would be looking at learning alongside of those buyers. What events are they attending? What mm-hmm. com- communities are, par- are they a part of? What influencers are they following and reading and learning from? Um, what industry publications are they checking out regularly? And so I, I would be very, very cognizant to Um, both show up in those places where they already are um, and learn alongside of them. And so it just, it was a very organic way to start relationships with people while they were in learn mode so that when they were ready to address the business problem that they knew this day would come, um, I was the first person that they thought of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that building yourself a network, is kind of the first the first place to start building relationships. Now, the thing that I'm thinking about, and I think a lot of people probably would be wondering at this point, Amy this this sounds like a lot of work. Like, I got to hit my activity quotas, and I got to make sure that my um, dashboard jockey sales manager isn't having mm-hmm. his foot on my throat because I'm out here trying to build a network and get people on speaking speaking. Um, gigs, you know? Um, yeah,
0: that, that the, never happened to me. I never had to deal with that, nor did I have to deal with that when I was trying to pitch these concepts as a sales enablement leader.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I think there's some, a couple of things to think about here. One is like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your deal size has got to be big enough for this sort of strategy to make sense. Um, and you obviously don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? So if you're going down this, like, hey, I'm going to go down some this path of these super creative ways of prospecting and nurturing and building relationships with the Mm -hmm. people that my prospects want to learn from and the Mm -hmm. stages that they want to speak on. Um, how much effort do you put in there versus, you know, say more traditional prospecting? I'm so curious to see what your answer is on this.
0: (laughs) I mean, it depends on who your boss is, right? That's, that's Mm. a big part of it. Um, let's assume you
1: have the typical, typical boss.
0: Let's assume you have the typical boss. Okay. Um, then the next thing is how long have i been in the role right and yeah. so because my the strategy as i proposed it does require some build up right um however if i've been in the role for a year plus there is absolutely no reason why i cannot source enough deals based on a high degree of activity over that first year mm-hmm. um and i would argue that if one is not sourcing the opportunities like which is the whole end game, right? That is the purpose of activity is to source qualified opportunities that are ready to engage in buying motions right now. Um, then we got to tweak the strategy. Now, all that said, um, there are ways to make it go faster, right? And I'll give you a perfect example. When I would start okay. a new role, my, my top priority was to identify the influencers who have already established this trust, already established this um, following, if you will, and to try and start sales motions with those people, it, like as quickly as possible. Because what happens when that ha- when I do that, um, it, there, it's like dominoes, right? If you're fortunate enough to start and close an opportunity and build that relationship with that level of champion. Um, then the deals that are sourced through that really just, they, they click over. So that's one way that one can be really smart about it. Um, and the other thing you want to be really smart about is like picking the right organization. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but like one of my favorite questions to ask during interview processes, especially from now like the sales enablement perspective is when, was, when I'm talking to a, a sales manager in particular, when was the last time that you allowed one of your reps to pursue like a really creative tactic that you didn't initially agree with, (laughs) you know? And so it like, and that, and tell me a story, like, give me an actual example. Um, Now I know that not everybody's fortunate to be that choosy, especially in this job market right now, which is a nightmare. Um, But yeah, it just, it requires the stomach to operate outside of the way that everybody else does it. And I wish yeah. I had a better answer, but those- And that not, every, be- not everybody's
1: built that way, number one. Mm-hmm. I think we have to acknowledge that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think the second part is like, as, love, uh, as much as everybody listening might be like, I want to go do this right now, today, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That may not be realistic uh, based on who you work for. That's a huge factor. And
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: part of it is depending on how long you've been in the role there's a lot of factors sometimes as sellers like you got to earn the right to do some of these kind of very out of the box things right so mm-hmm. are you doing your job well right mm-hmm. are you you know hitting your numbers and stuff um, because you, if you're not you know going outside of the box may not be an option um, or you may not have the luxury of being able to do that so i think you know it's got to be there's a lot of things that have to be in line where doing something like this makes sense Um, but if you are in a place where you can, like you should absolutely go for it because nobody else is doing this and it's a really innovative way, innovative way to build very strong relationships with, you know, high level business executives. Um, I mean, to get them on podcasts is great, but like to get them on a stage, that's like next level.
0: Yeah, it is. I, you know, Colin, as you were speaking, there were two things that also came to mind that are like almost quick wins along this path. Um, do you remember? Did you ever do anything with that website called Hero or help a report help, help a reporter out? No. Where you would run search? Know. Okay, so it was a no. website. I don't know if it's still a thing. I don't even know if reporters are still a thing, given what's happening in the publishing industry right now. But I, uh, <laughs> you can run a search by topic, and there's often reporters that are writing about your business problem right now and they're always looking for quotes. Right? And so that that's a fun way to start to get your name out there. Number one. Number two, who says that you can't start or create your own digital event on like LinkedIn Live? Just as one example. Who like who needs to wait to be given permission to pick up a microphone or to put together a session and invite one of your buyers? or champions or whatever to deliver said session and invite a bunch of people to attend on LinkedIn live, you know? And so it's very low risk, right? It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't, you know, like you may piss some people off on the marketing team. Let's be serious about that. But at the end of the day, it's your job. It's your quota. It's your pipeline, you know? Yeah. Why the heck not? And And even if you take, even if
1: you just take like start like 10% of your time, right? Like 20% of your time. Let's, let's all be honest Mm -hmm. for a moment. Mm -hmm. Most people, myself included at many points, waste a lot of time. Like, let's be real. Um, until you've like thoroughly done an inventory of your time and actually realized like, wow, I waste a lot of time or I can be much more efficient with my time. Um, which is maybe something you may want to look into, most mm-hmm. people are wasting a good chunk of time. Now, if you just took that time that you're wasting doing things that are not revenue generating activities or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, and spent that in trying something like this, mm-hmm. I mean, you might be surprised at the results that you get.
0: hmm I, you know, gosh, there's two things to, but I, to that point about wasting time, you know who else wastes a lot of time? sales Um, bosses who have not questioned their strategy or tactics or looked at their (laughs) conversion rates on the activities that you're trying to manage down to the day and task at scale. You know, when was the last time that we (laughs) looked at the effectiveness of what we're currently doing, like seriously looked at it and questioned um, who says it can't be better? Who says it can't be better? Right. I just don't believe in all of the the nose and the digital pollution and the waste that comes with setting up one meeting in a cold capacity, right? There's absolutely a better way to do, I don't remember if we can curse on the show, so I'm going to save my Jersey uh, Italian F-bombs for later, but I don't like, (laughs) why not? Why not? And so that's another place where we really need to look hard about, are we wasting time and then apply a little bit of Mm. courage on a, on the sales leader level of like, why not try some things different? Why not? Yeah. Who yeah. says it can't be better?
1: Absolutely. Amy, it has been awesome having you on once again. I'm super pumped that I nailed your last name for the first time. Uh, <laughs> only took five tries or four <laughs> or five times of having you on the show. So
0: that's all right. I'm not judging you, my friend.
1: I said any any final thoughts um and where is the best place for people to get into your world? So we can drop a link in the show notes for them.
0: Any final thoughts? Um Final thoughts about, I, I think that in order to have a successful career as a salesperson requires uncovering three different ways of prospecting. Um, and so I would just challenge everybody to try something different, be creative, be brave, compare notes, share your wins, um, because there's never been a better time to branch out and to differentiate. And I know that your buyers will thank you for it.
1: Yeah. And where's the best place for people to get into your world?
0: The best place for people to get into my world is on LinkedIn right now. If you can figure out how to spell my last name, um, but hopefully (laughs) Colin will link it in the show notes. And then also the community that I'm building over in school um, for, again, sellers that want to uh, learn new and creative ways to attract and maintain the attention of buyers. That's what we're focusing on.
1: Awesome. We'll drop that in the show notes to make it easy for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It helps us to reach more sellers and self-leaders to transform the way that they sell.